if you'll open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 14 and verse 7. Romans chapter 14 and verse 7. Uh, we're going to conclude our message on righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 14, 7, excuse me, 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And the kingdom of God is not what you're, what you're doing. It's not a religion. It's actually a relationship. You enter into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say you get religion. Well, uh, it's good, I guess, to have systematic uh, set things in your life to be disciplined. Uh, but uh, that's not really what we're looking for to uh, connect with God. You won't connect with God that way. In fact, you could do uh, good every day of your life and, and still miss heaven because heaven is not about being good. But what happens is when you come into the kingdom of God, your heart changes. And when your heart changes, not your physical heart that pumps blood, but the center of your being, the core of who you are. We, we learned that the last two weeks, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He's not going to be. He's not trying to be. He is a new creature, uh, really, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> you know, so they tell of some people that they got born again, and then they're like, well, I used to enjoy uh, going out and getting drunk all the time, and now I don't like it anymore. What happened? Well, you got a new nature. Something changed on the inside of you. So it's not something that you could produce on your own. And one of the greatest uh, mistakes that people make in life is they try to uh, control themselves under their own power. And people can do that, many people that are very disciplined, uh, for a period of time. But at some point, you kind of slip up. And that's where I was telling the story last week of my daughter, Evie, where we're riding bikes, and she would like uh, just keep going in front, keep going in front. And we had me in the front so that uh, you know, I could make sure all the kids stopped for traffic. It's three years ago, so they were all three years younger than they are now. And so it was you know, even more vital then because they, you know, they have had less understanding then than they have now. And she kept getting disappointed and she was, she was really trying hard. She kept trying and trying, but she failed every time because she was trying to do it in her own strength and her desire didn't change. And so then I talked to her and I said, Evie, you got to change your heart. And you guys know this story, I think. And so then what she did, it became second nature or really first nature. So if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I love that the King James actually says, behold, because if you don't stop and look and pay attention and see what has changed, you may find yourself with a new nature on the inside, trying to live just like you've always lived, and you become frustrated, and you become stressed, and you become uh, discontent, and you get distressed. Why? Well, because the man on the inside does not want to do those things that you're doing. But you've just always done it that way, so you're just going to keep doing it, you know? And so um, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, being right with God, which comes through the new birth, uh, peace, having peace with God, and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. Now let's turn over to... Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Philippians 4, 4. And I'm going to read this in the Amplified Translation. Amplified Translation. Uh, King J, well, let me, let me turn over here real quick and I'll read that. 
King James actually says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And then Amplified says, rejoice in the Lord always, delight, gladden yourselves in him. Again I say, rejoice. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He's coming soon. Don't fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort it is, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and is seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take account of these things. Fix your minds on them. You know, the reason I pause is so many times what we weigh and take account of are not things that are lovely, noble, pure, and praiseworthy. They are things that are terrible and horrible. Did you hear what they're doing? Did you hear what they're saying? Did you hear what the kids nowadays do? And we weigh those things. And we we give those things uh, our thought life and the energies of our mind. Verse 9, practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and model your way of living on it. And the God of peace, of untroubled, undisturbed well-being will be with you. I feel like we could just pray and say amen. Because it's, it's especially around Christmas time, it's many times some of the easiest thing in the world to fret, have anxiety, get full of worry. Uh, you have uh, things that you are expected to do and you have things that are unexpected uh, that come up. And if we're not careful, then we could find ourselves uh, fretting, full of anxiety, full of worry. But the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of the Apostle Paul, written here, said, rejoice in the Lord always. You know, and he says again, rejoice evermore. And I think in Philippians itself, he says rejoice about 26 times. Rejoice, 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 rejoice. I think he's trying to tell us something. (laughs) What is that? Rejoice. And then right in the middle of talking about rejoicing, he says, Don't fret or have any anxiety about anything. Well, what are you going to do then? Well, we ought to rejoice. Rejoice, you're a fast learner. Rejoice. So if you can't fret, what are you going to do? Well, sometimes you don't know what to do. Well, how about this? In the middle of the stressful situation, Turn away from the stress and look from the inside of your heart and see what the Lord is impressing upon you. 
Well, you can find it right here. Rejoice. Rejoice. All right, let's go over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James is a book I like to read if I feel like I'm getting too, too uh, uh, well, things are going pretty good, then James will slap you. So, James, the servant of the Lord, verse 1, uh, of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into uh, diverse temptations or all kind of temptations. We mentioned this in the giving portion a little bit. One translation says, count it maximum joy. In other words, this is the most joyous thing in the world. I'm counting it that way. And somebody said like, well, what are you supposed to do? Uh, You just have joy in everything. No, he didn't say have joy in everything. He said, count it joy. Well, how do you count it joy? Well, you just count it. You account it. You say, okay, this is joy. Why? Why can you say that? Well, let's read on. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, if I was translating that, I think I'd like to translate it, let patience have her perfecting work. Because the word patience actually is the Greek word hupomone. It's one of my favorite Greek words uh, because it means endurance, like in sports. Okay, so if you know me very well, you know I like to jog and I don't like to like sprint. I'm terrible at sprinting, honestly. Uh, I don't like to sprint. And somebody said, let's, let's, let's do a 100-yard dash. Oh, I'd much rather run five miles. <laughs> and so I like to do endurance jogging. You know, I want to correct people that maybe would say it's running, you know. So I jog. But I like to jog for longer periods of time. I like endurance. Well, this is what he's talking about uh, when he talks about patience, the Greek word hupomone. It means endurance, but endurance like in sports. In other words, not defeat, not Oh, I have to go through this. I have to, like, if you go, have to go for a physical checkup or something, I have to endure the waiting line or I have to endure the lobby. This is not the word for patience. Um, patience, uh, hupomone, it means it, it's the ability to turn to greatness and to glory, not simply to suffer, but to overcome them. In other words, the challenges that come with hupomone or the patience that God gives, it actually turns the situation to greatness and glory. Uh, I love how William Barclay actually says it. He says, it's like being in the midst of a fierce storm, and instead of turning away to protect your face, you turn and face it head on because you have the strength of God to overcome that storm. So when Paul said that the count it all joy because the testing of your faith develops patience, he's saying it's developing hupomone. And hupomone is not only staying power, but it's overcoming power. So when these tests and these trials come, if you think, well, this is just another thing, I'm going to be defeated in this, you have the wrong thought. You don't have the thought of God. You have someone else's thought. You have a thought that comes from somewhere else. The thought of God is... That's my child, and I have equipped them, and they have more than enough because greater is he that's in them than he that's in the world. But so if you measure your situation and your circumstance and you compare it to the power of God, you might as well just start laughing now. 
But if you measure your circumstance and your situation according to your natural ability and your natural knowledge, well, you might uh, uh, you know, run away and hide. Well, Paul said the testing of our faith develops this, and so this is why we can count it all joy. But let patience or hoopamone have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. In other words, you become perfected. Well, what does perfected mean? You, am I perfect? No, but you become, uh, most of the time in the New Testament, when you see the word perfect, a better translation would be mature, or you've come to the full, or you've come to the top. It doesn't mean you don't make any mistakes. Uh, if you had to make no mistakes to be a believer, uh, then all of us would be lost. And if you had to be perfect to be a believer, none of us would be a believer. Because if you keep the whole law, but you mess up in the finest little point, you're guilty of the whole thing, the Bible tells us. So none of us are perfect except for one man that lived, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he lived perfectly so that you and I wouldn't have to. And because we couldn't. But his perfect life, going through all the situations just like you or I go through, all of the passions, he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities, yet without sin. So he went through them and he conquered them not for himself, but for every human being that would ever live on the face of the earth. And in him, we have that life in us. And in him, we have that overcoming power in us. So in him, we are what Paul said, more than conquerors. Well, we don't just conquer and win, but we are more than conquerors. We don't just barely cross the finish line, but we cross the finish line with strength and with joy and with ability. And so that we may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, if in the midst of the test and in the midst of the trial, you lose sight of that, you might despair. But you say, like, how much longer is this going to last? Uh, why do I have to go through this? I can't believe this is happening to me. Uh, what did I do to deserve this? Didn't I follow you, Lord? Didn't I do what you said? Uh, aren't I your child? Don't you care what's going on with me? Uh, aren't you going to do something? Like the easiest thing in the world is to fall into the trap of I'm waiting for the Lord to do something. Well, like I said before, and the message is coming up, uh, faith is simply doing what you hear God say. So in the midst of your situation, what's the Lord saying in your heart? And somebody said, well, I don't know. I have this situation. I'm not even sure. Well, you know what you do? You go into the Bible. You go to Google. You can go to Google. Google can help you. <laughs> Google can be used for good or evil. Let's use it for good. So go to Google and search, what does the Bible say about this? And then find at least two or three scriptures in the New Testament concerning your situation. And then take those scriptures and you start praying over those scriptures. And you look to the Lord from the inside. And what will happen? Well, if uh, you meditate in the word or you chew on the word and you look to the Holy Spirit while you're reading the word, he's the teacher. So he'll make that word come alive to you. 
And that is called that rhema. And then all of a sudden, when he points you in that direction, well, then you have solid ground to step out on because you have seen what God said. And if God said it, he said, I watch over my words to perform them. So the ultimate thing is to get his words. But it's not just any word. What word is he saying in your situation right now? This is why I said Christianity is not a religion. It is not, you know, I'm going to cross my legs and hum out loud and do this for three hours a day, and God's going to say like, whoa, look at that man, what he's doing. I'm going to like do something for him. No, he looked at me in my worst possible state and said, because I am goodness personified, I love that man, and I am dying for him now. I'm sending my own son to set him free and to give him life, and it's nothing that he's done. Nothing. It's not based on my performance one iota. All I have to do is I, what? I do what I hear God say. That's called an act of faith. So if the Lord says, if I've never come to the Lord, and he says, you know what? You need Jesus in your life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. Well, if I have that on the inside, all of a sudden, and I say, okay, Lord, how do I do that? I, I want to do that. Well, then that act of faith right there, because I trust what God said to me and I believe him, heaven and earth have shook when he was on that cross to give me access to his life. And so then I receive his life. And then my life is forever changed. Forever changed. Praise God. So you let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And so I had uh, some um, financial challenges uh, uh, previously and um, the last couple of years, you know, and uh, I was kind of like, Lord, you know, what is going on? And so I was... Uh, uh, really looking for uh, an additional job and different things like that to do what we needed to do. But I kept having on the inside, the Lord kept saying, I want you doing this. I want you giving your time uh, that you would be doing that. I want you in prayer and in the word. And so I said, okay, but you know, I have four children, <laughs> you know? And um, so I said, okay. And so I was like, week by week, I'm okay, Lord. And uh, something happened to me that, that never really had happened to me in my life up to that point. And it was these two verses of Scripture right here. I became perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And you think like, well, um, you know, you asked me before, you say like, uh, what, what place does money have in your life? And I said, well, it's, you know, you need it, but it's, it doesn't have like a controlling factor in my life because... How, how my life has, how I've endeavored to follow the Lord and walked out his plan for my life. Man, uh, I made a decent amount of money and then I didn't make much money. And then I made a decent amount of money. Didn't make, you know, I worked for ministries uh, many times and you know, then transitioned different things. And so uh, where Paul says, I know how to be a base and how to abound, how to be content in all states, uh, I feel like uh, I've been on a training program for that. You know? 
And so, uh, so I'm like, okay, well, this is, I wouldn't say like finances are an issue for me as far as like love of money or like fear of lack and all these type of things. But, um, and so the Lord's dealing with me in my prayer times concerning this. And um, so I'm there and all of a sudden I hit this sweet spot in the Lord after, you know, maybe, um, it's kind of uncomfortable to talk to your, your own church about this, but anyhow, after maybe a few months of, you know, you, you kind of like, uh, are like, where, how are we going to live, you know? And uh, the Lord just witnessed to me, this is more precious than anything you could buy. You know, because I'm thinking, well, my kids, we homeschool, so I want to get them a, 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 the computer's in old, so I wanted to give them a new computer, some of these type of things. So I'm not talking like I want to go, like, uh, travel the world or anything like that. I'm talking just like regular necessities of life <laughs> and some different things. And uh, so the Lord worked in me, in my heart, this, like, completely coming to the end. Because what happened to me was, uh, when I went on my first missions trips, I always paid for my missions trips. I made pretty decent money, well, at that time, because I was at was a, a computer job then while I was in Bible school. So we'll go on a missions trip. Everybody else is sending out letters, all this type of stuff. I don't have to send out a letter. I'll just write a check, you know? And I was able to give and, and, and bless people and do those type of things. And so uh, the time came uh, when I was at the church in Michigan, and, uh, you know, I wasn't, uh, I didn't have the kind of income that I had had uh, at the computer company, secular computer company. And so I was getting ready to go on a missions trip and the Lord put it on my heart, uh, you need to go on this trip. And I said, in my heart, I'm like, well, I, you know, that would be nice, but that's like an $1,800 trip. And so um, the Lord said, ask me for the finances. Believe me for that money. And I did. And do you know what happened? I went on that trip. And when I went on that trip, I think I had like a, about $1,400 when I left. And then the people in the country where I went, they required me to receive an offering from them. Like they took up an offering. And do you know I had like $200 over what I needed? But when I went on that trip and I didn't have the money, I had no worry or fear. I was like, I know the Lord's, I know the Lord's sending it because he was growing me in that. And so when I ha had these uh, financial challenges... Out here, you know, then I was kind of like, well, this is what I need to do, and I'm going to fix it. So the Lord was getting me rid of that. I'm going to fix it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, uh, so my personality is like, well, I'll just fix it. I, I was taught to work hard growing up. If you don't work hard, you know, I was, the scripture is quoted me all the time. You don't work, you don't eat, you know. So I learned you work hard. And so I thought, so every kind of reaction that I would have that the Lord was trying to grow me out of, I was trying to fix everything. Now, that's because this is what the Lord put in my heart. There have been other times when the Lord said, I want you to go and I want you to get another job. But you had to follow the Lord for yourself and your situation. And so what happened to me is uh, enduring that and going through that and choosing daily, okay, no, nope, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to focus on this. And I talked to Pastor Mark, you know, he's my pastor as well, so I had godly counsel, these type of things. But I just kept getting this on the inside. And I said, okay, so this is what I'm going to do. And um, you know what happened is it like, it produced, I can't, I feel like I'm trying to do a better job than the Bible because it produced that in me, is what I'm trying to say. It produced this, this 
like purified, precious, staying power that not only affected my finances, but affected my life in, in unpurchasable ways. Like you can't pay for that. You can't buy that on a shelf. You can't go get a job and make enough money doing that to get that. Uh, it comes through counting it joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know this is working something in you. And what it's working in you is more precious than gold or silver or the power to purchase. It is, it is invaluable. Count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Wow. Back to Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say rejoice. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He's coming soon. Oh, I should say, like, then after that, not right after that, but maybe like another couple months of that, then uh, the finances started to pick up enough that, uh, you know, um, the financial situation started to change. And so the Lord, the Lord just really came through. And in the midst of that, I was able to be uh, much more bold in my speaking and my declaration. Because I'm, why? Because I had the word of the Lord on it. Yeah. I had scriptures, but I also had him speak in my heart. And I knew. Because I said, you know, Lord, I'd be like really, I'd really be happier right now to go do something else. <laughs> Not something else, something additional, <laughs> you know. And because uh, starting a church, you know, different things like that, you have to be bivocational normally for a period of time and those type of things. And I was more than willing and more willing than what he wanted me to be. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean when I say that? <laughs> he wants me to be willing, but mostly willing for him. Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say rejoice. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord's near. He's coming soon. Don't fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition. Definite request. Uh, one of the things that amazes me about the Lord is that um, he really does answer your prayers. And I say that in the fact that, of course, if you, if you request of something and it's in line with the word, he's going to come through. But I mean, I would ask the Lord, you know, as a, as a pastor, one of my main um, duties is in serving the Lord is serving you. And in serving you isn't so much just to teach the word or just to preach the word, but really to feed the sheep and feed the lambs. In other words, to provide nourishment for all of you uh, from the word of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit. And um, so I, I say to the Lord, you know, there's a lot of good teachers and uh, I'm thankful for them. But I said, Lord, you said that you would teach me by your spirit. I need you to teach me. I want you to teach me about this. I want you to teach me concerning this. Well, you know, like I asked him, I want you to teach me concerning finances. Well, sometimes you might get what you request. And you'd be like, what in the world? Well, what? 
He wanted me to come to the end of Tim so that he could have his beginning in me. In other words, his life uh, applied to the situation could come and produce fruit. Why? Well, one reason, because I'm I'm a leader in this church so that I don't have to have timidity when I speak about finances. I mean, because month after month before we planted, and I shouldn't say month after month, year after year before we planted this church, I mean, we are sowing seed and we are taking our bank account and we are emptying it. And my head is like, what on earth are you doing? (laughs) But my heart said, you're sowing seed. You need to do this. And I say, well, do I really need to do this? (laughs) But something happens when you trust God with your finances. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And so God's not really after your money per se. He's actually after your heart in every arena. He wants your heart. He wants, he, he's not trying to take from you. He's not trying to say like you can't do anything you want in life. He's trying to say, I am the author of your very life. I know what's good for you. I know what's going to satisfy. I know what goes beyond the flesh. And you're thinking just the flesh. I'm not talking just money now. I hope you know that. So the Spirit of the Lord, He will bring freedom and He will bring life when applied to the situation, or you could say it in a church way, when you yield to Him. You know, give Him access. You say, Lord, what do you want? Uh, How do you want this to happen? So the Lord will teach you. And I find myself all the time experiencing answers to things that I prayed five years ago. I know uh, Brother Hagen, who we travel with, and then uh, there's a guy named, um, well, they called him Dad Goodwin, but his, his name was J.R. Goodwin. He pastored for 40 years a church outside Houston, Texas, in Pasadena, Texas. And uh, Brother Hagen and him were really good friends, so they'd have, he'd have a lot of meetings at Brother Goodwin's church. And so when they were uh, discussing one of the times, the marvelous things that were happening at that meeting, they said, Brother Goodwin said to Brother Hagen, he said, you know, the things that we're experiencing this week in this meeting, he said, you know, we prayed about this two years ago. This wouldn't have happened if we didn't pray two years ago. Well, we're like two fast food mentalities sometimes. We feel like, well, I'm praying about this week. Well, you should pray about this week, but if that's all you're doing, I mean, you're kind of missing the boat. You need to give yourself to the Lord, uh, pray always without ceasing, fellowship with the Lord, and you'll pray. The Holy Spirit will show you things to come. You will declare a thing uh, years before you're even in it. And then you'll look back and say, oh, I had forgotten, but now I remembered. I don't know if I remember. I think the Lord reminds me. I think, you know what? I did ask for this like five years ago. And I thought I was in position to receive it there. So the Lord's not holding back. What normally happens is we are not in the position to receive. My, I'm thankful for my children because they give me all the illustrations. So when we were going to the church... Uh, that party we had in the fall, my daughter fell in the hallway and hurt herself, and she was all frustrated. And, you know, she knows how to receive healing, but she was not in a position to receive because she was anxious and fretting and all worried about, I'm not going to get to swing on the very swing I want to swing on that he had told me about. 
Andrew told her about. And so I went to pray for her because she came, in, she came to my room crying. And I said, honey, what's your favorite song? And she said, uh, let the peace of God. And so we sang the song together. And as we sang the song, it was like birds flying away. That, that heaviness just lifted and she became ready to receive. What happened? Through that uh, worship of the Lord, she cast her cares on the Lord. Instead of them having the highest place, he had the highest place. Now she can receive. So many times we think like, well, if healing is true, how come I don't have it in my body? Well, healing is, very, healing is a reality. It has already been done. It's accomplished. Best way I know to think about it is it's just like salvation. So somebody out there who is not born again, salvation is already done for them. They just have to receive what was already done on the cross. Jesus took their sin. He took your sins. He took your infirmities, your sicknesses. He took the curse, all of the curse, the curse in all its form. You know, the curse is threefold. It is spiritual death. It is poverty and it is sickness and disease. And Jesus himself, not somebody else, himself took that curse on himself and defeated every aspect of it. But if any aspect of that you're not able to receive, whether you're just like, well, I'm kind of afraid, so I don't want to give my life to Christ. I don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, you have something, someone really uh, tugging at your heart that is the Spirit of the Lord. If you respond to Him, He has never led me wrong. Not once in my life. Zero. 100% accuracy. That doesn't mean I've not made mistakes, but the mistakes I made as I look back at them I was not following his leading. I got my flesh involved or my analytical mind involved. My analytical mind is great as long as it's full of the Holy Ghost. Submitted to the Lord. So stand with me if you would. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you, you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, he loves you more than you could possibly comprehend. If you're looking for real love, you're looking for somebody that actually cares, you're looking for someone who knows everything about you yet loves you, you have found the right man. His name is Jesus. And he wants to do for you what he has done for countless numbers of people. He wants to come into your heart and he wants to be Lord of your life. But he is a perfect gentleman. He will not force you. He will not... Um, corner you. He wants you to respond to him. If you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and you'd like to, you'd like to receive him. Uh, I'd love to pray with you and for you. Just uh, slip up your hand and we'll pray with you and for you. And in an instant of time, you'll come out of darkness into light. You'll come out of despair and gloom into hope and faith and victory. If you're here this morning and you have known the Lord, but you uh, walked away and you let other things come in and drown out his, your relationship with him and, and hinder your um, fellowship with him, he wants you to come back just like the prodigal son. He's looking for you when you're really, really far off and he's saying, come, 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 come back to me. I've got a robe for you. I've got a, a, a great meal ready for you. Come right back. If that's you and you'd like to come back to the Lord, slip up your hand. 
And lastly, if you're here this morning or you're listening online and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, there is an experience in which you receive the power of God in your life. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you'd like to be, slip up your hand and we'll pray with you and for you. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that there wouldn't be one person under the sound of my voice who would who would miss heaven and uh, end up in hell. Father, we pray that you would uh, minister to each one listening online, in person. Father, your love, the reality of who you are, the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for a great 2018, but we look forward to an even better 2019. So Father, we I pray for each and every person that's here that you'd give unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you for acknowledging you and knowing you in every part of our life. Father, that we would live a life under your direction and that we'd live out your plan for our life this year. I pray for each person, Father, that even as this year begins this week, that you would place within every heart the knowledge and the understanding of their place in the earth, of their place in your body, uh, of their place even where they should be working and what they should be doing. Father, that you give them clarity of purpose. Yeah, even as, even as your word says in Colossians, that you'd fill them with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that they may walk worthy of you, Father, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of you day after day after day after day. Father, may our lives and our relationship with you flourish. Father, may we walk the plan, the path that you have set before us and fulfill your plan for our lives. I speak blessing and shalom, peace, flourishing over every heart, over every mind, over every body, over every relationship, over every person's finances. We thank you, Father, that you are the provider and that you do a really good job. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.